Hey folks, Alex here. Just wanted to give a quick warning that at around the 40 minute mark in this episode, we briefly touch on the subject of sexual assault regarding a specific scene in this anime. Please listen at your own discretion. Hello everyone, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, a podcast where my friends and I begin the slow yet inevitable journey to becoming weebs. My name is Alex. I'm Danielle. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we're talking about the classic anime, Oron High School Host Club. The anime, directed by Takuya Igarashi and produced by Studio Bones, premiered in April 2005 and ran for 26 episodes. The show is an adaptation of a manga series by the same name, written and illustrated by Bisco Hattori. The manga was serialized from September 2002 through November 2010 and stands at 18 volumes. The story follows Haruhi Fujioka, a scholarship student who attends the prestigious Oran Academy, a school for rich kids. Through a series of events, Haruhi becomes indebted to the school's host club, a group of six male students who entertain female clients. Because she is initially mistaken as a boy by the host club and is good at entertaining guests herself, Haruhi quickly becomes integrated into the host club family. Now, before we dive into talking about the anime, I do want to take a moment to define what host clubs, and uh, by extension, hostess clubs, are. And uh, I wanted to ask all of you, before watching the show, did you have any idea what a host club was? Didn't even Absolutely know that none. it existed. Not uh, even no. slightly. Uh, I think that I had heard... Okay, so this, my understanding was that it's kind of like a maid cafe, but they're not maids. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, host and hostess clubs are I th- pretty predominant in Japan. And basically, uh, it's a place where people go to a bar, uh, buy drinks, and primarily talk with good-looking men or women, uh, depending on if it's a host or a hostess club. Uh, the host or hostess provides drinks, flirts, and just sits with guests to entertain them. And uh, usually it's a kind of no-touch situation, but uh, that, of course, varies from bar to bar. So it's apparently a big thing over in Japan, and uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way so people actually know uh, the premise of this whole anime in case they haven't watched it. And uh, if you haven't watched it, go ahead on, uh, on Netflix. It's there, all 26 episodes. Uh, we will be spoiling this show, as always. Uh, now, I do know that for three of us here, uh, for Danielle, Iris, and Marcus, uh, you haven't watched this show before. Michael and I have uh, before, and I wanted to get everyone's kind of opinions on the show. So what did you think about it? Uh, because I, in my opinion, I think this is a classic early anime that everyone should watch i thought it was just like super wacky because i've seen some anime before uh because alex has gracefully suggested all of the ones that i should watch um but i thought this one for me it was like a pleasant surprise in the fact that it was just so wacky and they didn't take themselves too seriously um but then it also had that that old style classic uh anime feel to it that you see in i don't I, not necessarily jojo's except you do see some of those poses um but also like code chaos with 
just some of the extremeness. So, so yeah, my overall impression I would say is that it was wacky. It, it, at least from an American perspective, it was strange, but also endearing. And it was, it was just funny. And I thought it was great because again, they didn't take themselves too seriously and try to say like, oh, this is the way that things should be. Like, no, it was just like, they, they know that they're making fun of themselves. Well, I, I personally, I think that it kind of, it toes the line very closely between trying to make the viewer uncomfortable and trying to make the viewer like laugh. And I guess that's just me coming from like a Western perspective of watching this because there are many instances in the show where I feel like, oh, you know, to a Japanese person, they would have probably seen something like this culturally before. So they wouldn't have found it very weird or like very kind of jarring or like, you know, it didn't, it doesn't hit them in the sense that it hit me and kind of like took me out of the show for a second in, in many cases. But it, it was funny. Um, I did really enjoy kind of the, especially the dynamics um, of all the characters interacting with each other. I think they developed that very well in the show. Uh, I also think Haruhi especially is a great kind of protagonist and kind of central character to the anime. She plays, she doesn't necessarily play like a killjoy, but she plays a very down-to-earth kind of character that the other characters have the ability to kind of bounce around uh, mm-hmm. and, and be their wacky selves around her. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it really is just, there are some animes that are definitely made to be more kind of accessible for Western audiences. This, I would say definitely wasn't one of them, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good take, I think. And I mean, on the surface, I totally agree with everything that you two have just said, right? It's goofy, it's silly, it's, you know, it's a, it's a show full of hijinks, essentially. Shenanigans, if you will. Um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of concepts, there are a lot of tropes, there are a lot of mores that don't really necessarily translate super well one-to-one, uh, from the original context of a show like this to American audiences. And some of those are, you know, very easy to, to overlook. Some of them, not so much in my experience. I mean, you guys you guys know, like, we watched some of these episodes together. I was always very vocal about when I think, like, yo, that is weird. And I know that would not be weird for Japanese audiences, but it's very weird for me to watch. Um, yeah, I think it, if anyone is listening to this podcast who hasn't yet seen the show is deciding whether or not to do so, I definitely think there's a lot of, like, the great, hilarious television in there. Um, you have to be prepared to peel apart, you know, the, the difficulties that come with engaging with, you know, media that isn't aimed at you and your cultural sensibilities, I guess, is how I'll phrase it. Yeah, I think that, <clears throat> so for myself, uh, when, when did I watch, uh, the first time I watched this anime was in high school. So that must have been something like six or seven years ago. And I can tell the story of how I got into it later. But I think that what really drew me in was, uh, as everyone has been saying, the sort of comedy elements and the self-aware nature that the comedy itself has. Um, I remember particularly there were moments in the show where what, what the anime was able to do is they were able to express a lot of things that normally would be very hard to express with just words. 
and just like diegetic actions and or visuals. So specifically, I'm thinking of, um, I think it's episode 23 where Casanoda, uh, uh, right? This is just after, and I don't think that Iris and or Marcus has seen this episode, but that's fine. Casanoda um, has just learned that Haruhi is a girl oh. and Tamaki is basically just freaking out, like dissolving on the ground. And there were literally just a sequence of uh, animations where Tamaki is like, like a ghost on the ground. And then first he's like a dinosaur that's roaring. And then he's a meteor that's slamming into the earth. And then eventually he's a moon that cracks into the sun and explodes the sun. And for me, that kind of sort of metaphorical comedy that is completely taken out of what is actually just going on is hilarious to me. And these moments are like sprinkled everywhere in this anime. And every single one of them is just a treat. And that's kind of why I like this anime so much. And Iris, you're exactly right. Like this anime was like it. It there's 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 problematic elements of this anime. Like no one's denying that. And yes, if you want to watch this anime, like it's it's really funny. But there are some moments that like you have to like take into context of what this anime was trying to do. Otherwise, it can be like Ugh. it's a little Ugh, if that makes any sense. Danielle? Yeah, I think to your point, Michael, about just how they were framing like that sequence, I think overall, what I noticed when I started to pay a little bit more attention is that they were really focused on how they framed a particular scene. Like you don't necessarily just see all of them talking like in a room, like with conversation back and forth. Like sometimes, and I think this is something that I've seen like in a lot of anime before, is that they're talking off screen, but then you have this really nice shot of like, something that's a little bit more mundane but then also kind of gets across the feel like I remember there was one where they just had a close-up of like a table with some roses and then like a uh, like a, a cup and you could probably see somebody's reflection in it and um or sometimes when you see Haruhi it's she's not like in the center of the frame she's just she's almost like it's like the the thirds principle she's placed at like a very visually appealing um uh placement within the frame so I think that's also something that that makes the show interesting, at least to me, is just um, just the art style with which they present certain things. And sure, like they might kind of go back and forth between uh, something that's diegetically within the scene and something that's not like, especially when you see like the banana, like that's just yeah. something that happens <laughs> everywhere. And I think one time even you see like a real monkey and he's just like eating a banana, but clearly there's no monkey in this scene. So I think it's, it was really interesting how they decided to play with, again, framing the scene, but then also pulling elements that don't necessarily belong in the scene, but it still helps to create a narrative suitable to that episode. Yeah, and I think uh, I agree that this anime is a real, uh, it's really good at presenting visual comedy and visual gags. I mean, my favorite example of that is uh, the plane kind of coming out of uh, the oh, building yeah. in France when we meet uh, Renge. But the, uh, the points you guys are making also made me realize that this show is an anime for people who watch anime and who are familiar yes. with like the tropes and the cultural norms. And uh, 
And because of that, I do want to define what this anime is trying to parody and what it's a satirization of. So in uh, manga and in Japanese anime, there are certain styles, quote-unquote, certain themes found in different kind of age brackets and how those themes are portrayed come across in different ways in different anime. So for, for example, there's something called shonen, which is for young boys. That's like your typical uh, action fantasy, like Naruto, One Piece, Bleach. Uh, Code Geass is another example of that. And then there are the shoujo manga or anime, which are primarily targeted at young girls. And those ones are more romantically focused and focus on emotions uh, that a lot of young girls might be feeling or might want to speak, want to see expressed in these uh, stories. And typically those manga have like beautiful, uh, sharp-faced boys and uh, girls who go on these romantic escapades. And this anime is, uh, I think, a deconstruction of those shoujo tropes because, of course, there are all, uh, all the host club members are beautiful boys with uh, sharp chins, but they they also present the main character in like this kind of gender ambiguous way. And of course, it is also a reverse harem where the harem trope is, is usually uh, a boy with a bunch of girls, but in this case, it is a girl with a bunch of boys. And, uh, and I kind of wanted to discuss with you all what did you think of that sort of flip or if it really did seem like a satire in the way that you guys experienced it um so there are absolutely i think i think i definitely agree with you about the deconstruction of this and i think that there are certainly um many moments because i i rewatched the show recently just to you know for this podcast and I remember distinctly trying to recall or think about the 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 way that the premise interacts with the characters of the show, and right, I mean all the you know all the boys and and Haruhi are in this host club, and you can see that throughout the show, basically throughout its entire run, when we see moments of the host club being the host club. Just like, you know, Tomiki being in the corner, being all princely-like and everyone else doing their thing. I think, at least for me, the show made it very clear that they were making fun of this style of this, of what was going on. Um, what I, what I, what I point to most poignantly is when, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about this. When the Hitachi twins are oh kind God. of doing their twinly thing, um, there's always a moment, and I recall this every time, though, right? Because they're like they're doing their incestuous whatever they're doing, and then at the very end, when we see the girls' reaction, right? What we see is actually very different than to what just happened, right? What 
originally happened was like you know them doing their stuff in this all like flowery background stuff like that i feel like, like we like need to explain in more detail rather than dropping <laughs> all right like, okay like, well you know we, we might as well take this time to uh talk about like all the different hosts okay okay let, let me briefly. talk about the Itachi twins very, very briefly but basically their shtick with the host club is they pretend to be in love with each other basically to have this sort of taboo relationship that everyone feels so fine, so like attractive and like, oh my God, like, oh, they're, they're just twins, but they're in love. It's so wrong, but it's also really, really attractive and stuff like that. Um, so you can see them like, like, you know, often flirting with each other, sort of playing with each other, being very close to each other. But all of this is always under the guise of being at the host club. So this is what I was going to say. After this sort of event happens where like, I don't know, Hikaru maybe got, like, scratched and Kado was, like, licking the skin in order to heal it or something like that, right? Something really weird. When we see the girl's reaction, what we see of Hikaru and Kado is actually the... I'm not sure if there's actually a word for this. I hope there is. But it's that style of anime where it's, like, the people are not descriptive, if that makes any sense. Like, parts of their facial features have been basically simplified it almost seems like you're looking at them from a faraway distance where details aren't fully resolved and then the girls kind of react it's like oh my god it's so it's so pretty and one of them is like shh wait you can't spoil you can't you like be quiet you don't know when the next time this is going to happen is. and so for me at least in the way that the scene is portrayed it's very clear that what the anime is trying to do is trying to it's not about the twins it's about the girls and it's about like, what is, what are the girls doing? Do they really find this attractive? Cause obviously the twins wouldn't be doing this if the, if the girls weren't there. Like that sort of interplay in the way that they focus that scene and many of those scenes as the enemy progresses is kind of at the heart of what this anime is doing in its deconstruction. It's like, it's trying to like shove the, the shoujo-ness in your face and saying like, this is what shoujo is. Are you really okay with that? I would even argue that that's not exactly deconstruction. It's certainly parody. It's certainly satire, but it's it's satire by like overexposure. It's satire by like this hyper intense, you know, presentation of it. Because it's not like they are like taking apart how the genre works. It's not like they're really like presenting a new take on it. It's I, 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 I think would, I would it's core to the deconstruction though. It, well, it is a parody. I'm saying that when we later see the realness of the twins and they're being real people. That's the deconstruction because it's, it's almost like a juxtaposition of like, here it is hyper, hyper focused and hyper extended. And then here it is, we back away and we see these characters as real people. And that there is what the deconstruction is. And in order to actually gain the deconstruction, you have to push it to where to the, to its extremes, essentially. That was my thought. Hmm. Yeah, I do think there are moments where these characters uh, go from being your typical kind of shoujo fantasy men to, like, real people. And that is, like, in the backstory episodes that are sprinkled throughout the more fun episodes uh, in the series. And uh, speaking of backstories and the hosts, I kind of wanted to ask all of you, uh, who's your favorite host? Do you guys have any favorites that you would like to share so, when you were talking about backstories, I have a different host. Like, 
my favorite host doesn't have my favorite backstory or my favorite backstory is not linked to my favorite host. So my favorite Ooh. backstory is Kyoya's, which yeah. is uh, episode 24. And hey, <laughs> remember how I don't remember like what episodes are? I was like, I like this one a lot. Let me remember the numbers. So then when I talk about the podcast, anyways, um, yeah, I thought his story, his backstory was so interesting. I think also because you're just like, what is his deal throughout the entire season? Like, you know that there's something there. It's kind of been hinted throughout and it doesn't come until almost the very end of the series um, where he, where you see him trying to live up to his father's expectations um, and and also like his encounters like with meeting Tamaki and how he's trying to essentially please him because he's part of the Suo family and the Suo family is needs to have connections with uh, Kyoya's family. Um, and, and, and he's trying so hard and, and you just see the intensity he's putting into something that's almost so nothing. Like he doesn't have to work this hard, but I think the part that, I thought was beautiful was the painting metaphor how Kyoya is basically saying like he's been living all of his life trying to make the most beautiful painting inside of this pre-built super ornate frame that is his father and his two older brothers and he's trying to just be the best that he can be even though he can't in his mind he can't amount to anything and then when Tamaki says um I think you're actually limiting yourself like you can do whatever you want to do you just don't want to do it and then you you do like what Michael says, like we we go to that alternate scene that's not actually there, the realm of um, Kyoya's mind, and we see him, okay, he painted outside the frame. Cool, he's thinking outside the box. Then you pull out a little bit more. Oh, wow, he created this really beautiful uh, landscape. And then it zooms out even more, and it's like this enormous, gorgeous flower that is like built off of this, this tiny little flower with the frame. So... And that, that also helps build towards what happens at the very end. Um, so yeah, he's my favorite backstory. I think my favorite host, though, is Tamaki, just because of how ridiculous he is. Because he's, one, he's like so egocentric. And just, and and he's like, oh, I'm so beautiful. And of course, you lovely ladies will love to talk with me. And then it, then you get like the points where he's just like super depressed, like in the corner, like, for something that's nothing and he's he's just so wild and and crazy uh i think yeah I, he's my favorite host <laughs> god damn it. i didn't know we could double dip on ah. host backstories <laughs> jesus christ um yeah i uh, i i obviously i have pretty much the same to say about kiyoya's backstory um uh as danielle does uh, i do want to highlight something that she kind of mentioned is that it takes most of the other hosts kind of have their backstories or their general kind of personalities fleshed out in the first 10 episodes or so. Uh, Kyoya doesn't have that. He, you know, you basically see him as kind of this stoic, you know, very financially driven individual for pretty much the entirety of the show right up until the end when they decide to kind of elaborate on how he met Tamaki and how the host cub came into being. So, uh, yeah, I really liked his, uh, his kind of uh, personality. I'm not, I don't want to say that it like reminds me of my own, but like, I feel like I connected <laughs> to him the most, especially because everyone else was so ridiculous, but yeah, you guys can laugh it up. Um, 
But yeah, that's you can also that, be that kind of like right. a Mori. Like you're just stoic, and you well, well that's, you don't. Say you basically just pick much. the two quiet characters that like don't do anything <laughs> and just kind of stand there looking cool. So like tall I'll, guys with black hair. I'll take it, but like <laughs> Kyoya, I feel like was at least a little bit more fleshed out uh, <laughs> than the uh, yeah. Wait. So then, who's your favorite host? Kyoya, because I don't oh, double okay, okay. dip. Jesus. <laughs> double dipping is great. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna cheat and say Haruhi. You know, which I, I mean, think yeah. might not be yeah. in the spirit of your question, but I. No, no, she's she's a host. Uh, she is a host. I think um, today. her her role as the straight man, if you will, of the comedic setup that they've got going. I think. She is the palate cleanser that makes the rest yes. of the show funny, right? Because without yes, her, exactly. it would all just be so overblown. It would all just be too much intense, like, absurd, satirical, like, hyper-intensified bursts of, like, ridiculous humor. And without her to bring it back, without her to, like, be like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, the show would not stand up nearly as well. Uh, I... And also, I, just, I, I, I like her a lot as a character, you know. She toes, I think, a good balance between, like, going along with the absurdity of the story and also not, like, like, like always calling things out when she sees them. Uh, and I think that she's a character, like, poses a lot of really interesting questions about, you know, like, these, this intersection of power dynamics and, like, getting brought into a world that is not really your own and like what that's like i think she's really fascinating yeah i i totally agree and like as you say without Haruhi, the show wouldn't work that is absolutely the case mm -hmm. and like if if and this is what i was going to say if you have this show without Haruhi, it is the shoujo that it was parodying. but once you add Haruhi, it becomes the parody and the deconstruction um so absolutely agree as for my own personal opinion, this is actually, uh, I don't know if this is a bit of a little, little outfield. My favorite host is uh, Mitsukuni Haninozuka. Um, oh. and, the, and the reason it is it, he is my favorite host is honestly not because of his behavior. Like, it, you know, it's, he eats cake and he's, he's, like a, he's a child and he acts cute. <laughs> but there is this one line at the end of, I think it's episode 18, which I'm not sure. Actually, I think, I think everyone here has watched. Um, the one where Chika, uh, who is Mitsukuni's bro younger brother, goes to challenge him in a sort of karate duel. The very end, right, when Mori is, like, explaining, by the way, that very that ending, the uh, that line where Mori is talking about uh, Mitsukuni and the fight is Mori's longest line, by the way. <laughs> and it's about 30 seconds. So I, I just want that to say again. Um, but uh, when Mori realizes that, Honey, Honey doesn't. Honey, like Mori predicts that Honey is gonna uh, is gonna purposefully mm -hmm. lose the battle against Chica to make Chica feel better, and then Honey just gets him. He just he wins, and Honey's like, "Yay! Now we get to eat cake three times a three times a week." And then what Haruhi says is, "Wow, Honey's Honey likes cake more than his little brother." He's a terrible person. At least that's what he says in the dub. And 
I I love the fact that while Haruhi is saying this, we get Honey on a roof with Usachan looking far into the distance and repeating what Tamaki told him that like you have to be like you have to like what just like being yourself and liking the things you like is what's true tr- is what true strength is. And for me that mismatch of what was actually happening to what Haruhi was saying is exactly what kind of this deconstruction that we were talking about is about. It's like this person loves cake and sweets more than his little brother. This person is like it's legitimately like a bad person at, at least to uh, to that certain extent. And that amount of characterization in this kind of anime was just like it really blew me away. It was like wow, like they're willing to say that this person who is a main character on the show and is like central to the host club itself is basically a terrible person. And I really I really enjoyed that. And that's why it's also that's the most sort of backstory we get for Honey and uh, and and his family, uh, and so that's that's the one I really enjoyed the most. What about what about you, Alex? Um, I, I want to know yours. I I mean I really like Kyoya, and I I love Haruhi as well. But you guys have already taken those. <laughs> you can take them. You can double dip. Well, I I will say dip. I will no, say uh, no, you can't. On, <laughs> on this recent poor, poor rewatching of. Oran, I've come to appreciate the twins a lot more. Which one, though? Do you prefer oh. Hikaru or Kaoru? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, well, I, I was going to talk about the twins as... Actually, I appreciate Kaoru more than Hikaru. That's true, that's true. Yeah. You can't really talk about either of them without mentioning the other, right? Yeah. And uh, as the show goes on, I notice that they start to diverge from one another because at the beginning they were indistinguishable from one another but then by the end of the series we've got or and even starting as early as episode 13 and 14 with like the hikaru date uh with haruhi yeah is that when they're fighting and they change hair colors uh no no no, that's earlier this is when they go to karuizawa in in the summer oh the bed and breakfast bed and breakfast yeah yeah and that like starts them on the path towards becoming like their own persons. Where like by the end of the uh, of the show, uh, you can like pretty much distinguish between the two because I mean like they even show themselves uh, liking different things. Uh, who is it? Hikaru is <laughs> of driving a carriage full of horses for some reason. But mm-hmm. uh, also, I don't know if anyone picked up on this, but Hikaru actually has slightly bigger eyes by the end. Oh, Kaoru really? is always framed with smaller eyes. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if this is even true, but this, that's what I know. Oh, how I how hear... did you even notice all this stuff? Honestly, <laughs> I was paying attention. I just hear the voices because I'm just like I will figure out which one's which, and their voices are right. actually different enough they that you can yeah. that you can tell which one's which. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just love their whole character arc and how they grow over time, and also how like sad their backstory is. I just love yeah. all of yeah. I just love all the hosts, but um. Focusing on, like, one particular host, let's talk a little bit more about Haruhi and uh, her her kind of representation in the show. Because, I mean, it's no big secret. Haruhi is basically cross-dressing and pretending to uh, be a boy to entertain the guests at the host club. And so I wanted to get your opinions on, like, her representation uh, in the show and the if there is uh the commentary on like gender in the show 
Um, okay, so what I was what I, what I would say about Haruhi is that I I I was reading the Wikipedia page on Orin High School Hustle. Oh, cheater. And I'll, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. And I would say like you know I, I I'm not entirely sure, but it looks like to be a quote pulled from an interview with the show's creator, so it seems uh, reasonable. That originally Haruhi was supposed to be a boy, and hmm. then someone on the show suggested the uh, the the gender swap. And I think that that's an interesting point. Like, uh, I'm sorry. I, I think that it wasn't necessarily about the anime itself, but when she was writing the manga, right? And for me, it was an interesting point, like, that the original vision wasn't that Haruhi was a girl. Because I think fundamentally, the show's perspective changes if Haruhi actually identifies as as being a boy right um that being said with it in its current state ignoring that i think that what this show does is it tries to reveal um or it tries to expose the sort of inherent gender norms that were around in japanese culture at the time and i think that they even comment on this a lot that like you know tamaki is always like Oh, a girl shouldn't like be seen around, uh, like naked around a man until she's married and stuff like that. She, he says that during Jungle Pool SOS, and a bunch of other things, things like that. Like you need to be acting more like a girl. You need to have more girlfriends. Like if you have a girlfriend, maybe it'll bring the femininity out of her and stuff like that. And I think though that because this is always framed in the way that Tomiki is saying it, and that it's not necessarily other people saying it as well albeit some of them do it it is kind of framed as trying to post the question at least i'm like tom we we understand that tamaki is like a, a bumbling idiot that like he has this warped sense of reality when it comes to himself and those and and haruhi especially actually like I, it it is inherently weird that tamaki thinks that he's hot haruhi's dad right yeah um and Kaoru, is, Kaoru himself also um, struggles with the the magic spell that right that Tamaki has placed on the host club. That Tamaki thinks that all of this is some happy go lucky family that nothing is ever going to change, and that and then when things do begin to change, that's when the sort of real characterization actually occurs. Um, and so I think, and again, I'm not like the best. Uh, uh, Judge, not judge. I'm, I'm not the best like person that knows a lot about what I'm about to say. But I think that what the show does is, as I said, it tries to bring to the surface uh, notions and expectations of uh, of femininity, and tries to just it it tries to beg the question whether or not it does that successfully and whether or not it does that to the extent that it should is up for debate. But I think that it at least tries to do that. And uh, I think in some aspects it does it well in others. It doesn't do it as well. Basically anytime they interact with Lobelia, Lobelia girls Academy, I don't think it does it very well. It's, it's like that. Those two episodes are probably the worst two episodes of the entire show. And I'm okay with saying that. Uh, Danielle, you look like you have something to say. Yeah, I think also what I appreciated about this is that it wasn't really about the gender swap. It wasn't about like, oh my god, she's like hiding 
like in like guys clothes or like it's oh no her secret's going to be revealed like sure it kind of it that does come up several times but it feels like at least Haruhi's perspective is it just seems like this is especially like with her shorter haircut because it's typical that like okay like girls at least at that time like in Japan like you're supposed to have like longer hair and that shows that you're a girl otherwise like because it seems like the only thing that really changed is that she cut her hair and maybe she's wearing like more boyish clothing yeah um so what what I appreciate is that she's like okay it doesn't really matter that I'm a guy or a girl this is the way that I dress this is the this is who I am like sure other people are going to mistake like because like I'm in this host club and I'm masquerading as a guy other people are going to see me as a guy but it's not like that's that bothers her and it's also it's not like the focus that she's like oh I have to pretend like a guy otherwise my secret's going to be found out it's- right yeah we don't really get instances where Haruhi is trying to struggle with his internal thing like yeah oh my god I'm actually a girl and I have to pretend to be a guy she just accepts it that's like this is the way it has to be and I think that that's actually very interesting like you said yeah or like when she's not like wearing like host club whatever they're wearing like all the extravagant clothing like she's just being herself and I think that's also the interesting thing like it's she can be a girl but she doesn't have to pretend to to be something that she's not just because the gender norms are thus and everybody else um aligns with that the quote that I heard to describe that is if not gender neutral at the very least gender ambivalent yeah um and I have a lot more to say, but I want to give Marcus a chance to speak before I do, because I'm going to go on for a while. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Michael and Danielle, you guys bring up great points. And I, I agree with Iris that I don't actually think that Haruhi's gender identity matters at all to the show whatsoever. That That's evident in, in the quote that Michael pulled, where they could essentially just decide whether or not Haruhi was going to be a boy or a girl. And it wouldn't really have changed anything. I don't think because they don't like Haruhi in the first episode comes out and just fucking says like, yeah, I'm just who I am. You know, I, I doesn't matter what clothes I wear. I, you know, I am who I present myself to be. And that changes sometimes, whatever. And that's it. What the, the crux of, I think what the gender, like the, the show's commentary commentary on gender comes from, the other characters and how they interact mm-hmm. with yes. Haruhi. Yeah. Um, and in that regard, I think the show doesn't do a very good job, at least from my perspective. Obviously, as I said before, in, in Japanese culture, these things are treated uh, a little bit, I, I guess, more, less concrete, I, I, I would say. You know, there's not, there, there are definitely lines you shouldn't be crossing in Western culture when you're discussing things on gender, especially some particular things that come up in the show uh, that I don't think exist in Japanese culture. And I think the show does cross a number of lines that did make me feel very uncomfortable. And, and, and you know, I don't think yeah. it would be acceptable in a sense that, uh, you know, if I were, if you were watching this on like just regular TV instead of on Netflix, you'd be like, that's not chill. So especially, especially nowadays. Yeah. Especially well, nowadays. I mean, it's a question of, you know, to what length do you go to, to, make apologies for you know media that is not from your cultural background right like where's the line between this is just something that i don't understand because it's not my culture and this is something that is just not okay regardless of the cultural differences between me and the creators of this show 
Yeah, and and as I had mentioned before, like this was an anime created for it, this was an anime that was not you know made to be more widely acceptable for Western audiences, and it shows. And once an anime like that becomes popular enough that you know people that the I guess the show's creators weren't originally expecting the show to watch, you get instances like this where you know someone else is watching it and suddenly it's not so chill anymore. You know. So I know Iris, you have a lot more to say on this, and I'll I'll give you the floor on that regard. But that's just kind of how I see it. It's it definitely makes mistakes as a show in regards to the way it kind of discusses gender, and uh, I you know whether or not you want to you know give excuses for that, or whether or not you want to accept it and watch it for what it is, and you know because as Iris had mentioned, it's a lot of funny TV. There are a lot of great moments in the show. It's not a bad show, but you can't mention the good without also highlighting the bad, I guess. Yeah. I mean, all of you have said a lot of great things, and Marcus especially, you, you've covered a lot of the points I want to say. My initial take to your question, right, about Alex, about what do you think of Haruki? What do you think of the presentation of Haruki's relationship with gender? My, my short one-sentence answer is, I think Haruki is a lot of great representation and a lot of really terrible representation all bundled up into one. Uh, and I'm going to push back a, a bit against something y'all said earlier. I do think Haruhi's gender identity and the sense of presentation matters to the show. But what matters about it is that Haruhi doesn't care, right? Because Haruhi's, you know, gender and how it's treated, right? The whole, you know, she from the very beginning is like, I am what I am. I don't care how people see me. I don't care how I'm perceived. Like, I'm just going to do what makes me feel happy in my presentation, which ends up being really androgynous. That's the cornerstone to Haruhi's, like, her whole position in the show as the straight man, air quotes. And what matters, though, is the commentary about the gender dynamic that comes from all the other hosts trying to be protective of her. You know, Tamaki calling himself her dad all the time. Uh, you know, the, the, way the, the way everyone's trying to always figure out her deal. You know, it's it's... It's possessive the way they treat her, and it's controlling the way they treat her. And the examination of that, like, gender power disparity, I think ties in a lot to the discussions of, you know, like, class or wealth power disparities that are all over the show. As far as, like, how the show itself, like, talks about Haruhi's gender, I mean, I will say that the, the, the representation on screen of a character who, you know, doesn't care much about their gender identity, doesn't care much about their gender expression you know, goes along with this, I mean, technically cross-dressing. There are any number of arguments you could make for headcanons about Haruhi having, you know, some sort of trans or non-binary gender identity that I won't get into here. You know, I, I think it's really important, just in a general sense, for television to be showing characters that don't fall into these very strict, predefined categories of gender identity and presentation. But at the same time, a lot of the gendered dynamics in the show are really toxic and are just sort of presented as is without any sort of commentary, without any sort of acknowledgement. The one, one of, okay, not, this is not the only example, and this is not the worst example even that I could think of, but one of the ones that really stuck with me was this one episode where they all go to the beach, right? And Haruhi, uh, so the, the host club has taken some of the female students of the high school they're all on the beach. They're hanging out. Some of the girls get accosted by, I think they're drunk. 
either way, like belligerent men from the nearby village, you know, it's like kind of a dangerous situation. Haruhi tries to step in and defend them and she gets herself kind of hurt. And later on, in order to like convince her that she shouldn't be doing a man's job, air quote, she shouldn't be putting herself in danger. Kiyoya, like not in earnest, but we don't know this until after the fact, like threatens to rape her. And he's like, I, to I totally could, and I could get away with it, and you couldn't stop me. And, you know, afterwards, she's like, oh, yeah, thank you know, you have demonstrated that I don't have the power to stop that kind of thing. Thank you for teaching me this lesson. And it just gets breezed on, you know? Like, and I see, I see people making faces, so, you know, perhaps you disagree with that interpretation. But it's, it's things like that, moments like that, that I think really startled me. A lot of the language used to discuss gender, I mean... I said earlier, things don't necessarily translate one-to-one -one between Japanese and English, but at least in the dub, a lot of the language used to discuss gender is honestly really toxic. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's, I think just my overall take is it's, it's crazy for me to experience a show like this that is so great on like, here's a character who issues the gender binary doesn't really care doesn't really care one way or the other and is like seen in a positive light for that and yet here are all these other characters who have all this toxic behavior and all this like really shitty way of talking about Haruhi and that also doesn't really get treated either it's it's definitely a mixed bag I definitely I had a hard time watching a lot of the you know the show that I did watch and I there was a certain point where I'm just like I'm not like, I can't do this anymore, you know? Like, this show is great and funny when it's funny, and when it says terrible things, like, I have reached the limit of my ability to apologize for that. Um, but wouldn't you say that the that the parody of it, and, like, as we were saying before, like, the over-exaggeration of certain elements are, are showing that, like, this statement that might be toxic is not supposed to be taken in earnest? I don't think that... That holds. I don't know that, that really? that's necessary. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I. I. I would say I disagree. For me, it does. Um, I, I would say the last thing that I, I would mention on this topic is that like that particular scene, Iris. I think that is you're you're exactly right in that scene. It doesn't do a good job of presenting that in a way where this is actually wrong because it is. It's, it, it and I, the show could have done much more to say to actually like analyze that moment and actually deconstruct it but in the end how did he just accepts it as as perforce and and like and just you know moves on and that was that was definitely a misstep i i definitely agree i do think though that in other moments they do a better job and there are moments where it does better and there are moments that it's completely atrocious like that yeah I and mean, so this, like, this 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 show is very very of like bouncing on the walls and that's, that's what, what I mean actually is trying to say. when I say combinations of good and bad representation. But yeah. I think as, as to what you were just saying, Danielle, about, you know, this, you know, the, the parody meaning that, you know, it's actually not the message they want you to take. I don't know that it's necessarily valid to view a piece of media like this from the viewpoint of what is the intent of the creators. I think you have to evaluate it based on like what it actually says and right. what it actually says, you know, overblown or not. The entire show is overblown. The entire show is hyper intense. And so many of these moments never get addressed in a way that tells the audience that the show thinks that that is a bad thing. 
you See, know, that's, yeah, I think that's, where, like that's where I that, disagree. That's where I disagree. I think that because it is a parody and because I'm saying I see these overblown things and this guy's like, or there might be instances where they're like, they're saying like, oh, a female shouldn't do this. A female shouldn't do this. And just because I like, I've seen their characters and I see how ridiculous they are. That's what makes me think, okay, I don't need to take them very seriously. Like this is, this is a story. This is something that I'm watching for entertainment. Um, This is, this is, it's, it's, it's a comedy. So therefore I'm not going to put too much stock in what they have to say. And I don't think that that's the message. Like I never got the message that like, oh, this is how I should be behave because I'm a female. Like, no, I, that just didn't happen. Well, I'm not saying that anyone, you know, is walking away, like actually believing the things that they're saying, but like, I think writing it off as just a story is actually doing it a disservice. The things that we say in stories are important. The messages that we share are important. The conclusions that we take away are important. You know, whether or not we're watching this just for entertainment value. But I I guess what I'm saying is that that's, maybe I'm not saying it correctly. That's not the story that I'm getting. The story that I'm getting is that it, it is almost, is because it is a parody, I'm getting the reverse. I'm like, I, I'm seeing more like, okay, they're saying these, these things that saying again, like that a female should do this, female should do this because it's a parody. I'm thinking that they're saying the opposite and that's what I'm taking away. But, but why, why are you saying it's about you? Why not look at it from the perspective of someone who has no idea what the show is about, goes in, hits episode 10 and, you know, gets a slur dropped on them. You know that it's a comedy because you've watched the entire show, right? Well, I know, but even at that point, like, because I'm, yeah. I'm also coming from this from a perspective is that I'm watching this for the first time, right? So I don't yeah, understand. No, I, I don't, I don't think that like you as an individual have to not like this show because of these reasons, right? Like this, my whole like diatribe here has been about like why I have a lot of trouble with this show. Right. Again, I think there's, I think there's a lot of like good entertainment, but you know, like there's a lot of good entertainment in this show. There's a lot of funny things. There's a lot of interesting questions, but it is all wrapped together with this really unpalatable part. And for me that it reached the point of being a deal breaker while I was watching this show. Right. And I'm just, I'm just expressing my own opinion. So. Right. No, absolutely. I'm not saying you don't have to like it. I just, I think we should be careful about writing off, you know, know, saying these really toxic messages. We should, we should be careful about writing off, you know, using, I will say vulnerable populations as a punchline. We should be careful of writing off punching down in this way just because it is only humor or only parody. I think right. even think in humor show, and parody, the things that we do you say think are the show, Do you think it wasn't enough of a satire? That's the, I feel like that's what I'm getting. Because I feel like if it was more of a satire, we would see things in a different light. Yeah, and I guess that's maybe, how I'm taking it. Maybe, and maybe my perspective is influenced a lot by the fact that I haven't really seen a lot of uh, shoujo anime. You know, I haven't really seen a lot of like what this show is parodying. But... I just think you have to be so careful with the sort of ground that the show is treading. And I think the show didn't even stop to think to be careful about a lot of the mm. things they were saying. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think, I think that like, even, even as much of a parody as the show is, because it is a, a parody and regardless of how much of a parody it can be, you know, whether they can dial that up to 11, the subject matter itself is tricky. 
And if you don't give it the attention that it really should get, you can run into problems. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty big kind of like mixed bag of good and bad in one anime. And I definitely understand uh, your point of view, Iris, and your point of view as well, Danielle. Um, but yeah, and I do think it should be we should we can enjoy it. Uh, we can enjoy it as much as we want to, while also addressing and recognizing the like connotations that certain aspects of the show has and it's uh a, it's a it's a careful the words you say sort yeah. of sort of tape yeah careful exactly words you say. all right now kind of shifting gears here um michael and a great conversation by the way i really appreciate it everyone uh but michael has procured for us a trivia uh. corner it's so, time for Trivia Corner. Please take it away, Michael. All right. I'll try to be quick because I know we're running out of time. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, we can we can, uh, we can kind of truncate this or maybe release a shorter trivia section uh, aside from the main episode. I'll have to see what, what I do in editing. Well, we'll see. Um, all right. So after the backs of our lengthy discussion and very good discussion, uh, let's try and poise our memory circuits to uh, what we need to do. Okay, so today, the teams are going to be Danielle and Marcus, and I, Alex and Iris. Got this. All right. And the way this is going to work is that uh, the first, there are eight questions. The first six questions are like the last time we did this. So if you answer your question correctly, multiple choice, you get two points. You get, if you don't, you get passes, it passes to the other team. If they answer correctly, you get one point. And I'll explain the last two questions when we get there. Oh, no. Okay, are we ready? Yeah, who, who knows? We're going to be starting with uh, Danielle and Marcus. All right. All right, and these do get harder as we go. So the the first ones are are, are pretty are pretty easy. Okay, question one. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, in the first episode, starting today, you are our host. Haruhi accidentally knocks over a Renaissance vase that oh. the club was going to feature in an upcoming school auction. Oh no! How much? What does it was cost? the starting bid for this vase? Oh. A, eighty thousand yen. B, 800,000 yen, C, 8 million yen, or D, 80 million yen? Well, that kind of blew it because I knew it started with an 8, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I think under the impression that it's either 800,000 or 8 million. I was going to say it's in the millions, for sure. If, if you know it's in the millions, then I think it's 8. I think 80 is too high. You think so? Okay. Because, like, I know in future episodes, I'm pretty sure Kyoya cuts a third off of it at some point. Yeah, yeah, he definitely does. And when he does, like, when he does, I don't feel like it was over a million, but if you remember it to be a million, I think it's in then... the millions, because I remember it just being, like, ridiculous. And okay. also remember, I, I was, like, trying to translate what would that be in USD, and you just... I remember you zeros. were doing that, yeah. All right, well, well, we'll go with 8 million final answer. That is correct. Woo! Yes! Uh, Good for shit, reference, Daniel. in today's money, that would be about 75,000 USD. Ooh. Woof. Also, why was it literally just there in the middle of the hall on the pedestal? <laughs> Good without, question. Without anything holding it down. You have to understand. Yeah, we have to understand. This is the last rich hour talking school. about how this show is a ridiculous parody, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, Alex and Iris, question two. All right. Near the end of the first episode, as a result of Haruhi flustering her guest, Princess Ayana Koji, their table was flipped over, destroying an expensive tea set. As a result, to what amount does Tamaki increase Haruhi's quota? No. A, 100. 
B200, C500, or D1000? This Tomaki's is in yeah. Tomaki increases Haruhi's quota oh, okay. for the host club. Yeah. Also, Michael, how are these easy? Okay, well, I guess if these aren't easy, then we're going to get there. <laughs> um, I am tempted to just say a thousand. I, I don't think it's that high. I think it's... What were the early early choices? 100, 100 200, 500, 1,000. Because the yen, one... the, the yen conversion to USD, right? It's, it's like... But it, it, I don't know if the quota is yen. It might be like hours or yeah. I, I can recall. I can I can tell you the quota was the number of guests you have yeah. to. Oh, get to oh, 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 yeah. oh, 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 oh. I think oh, it's sorry, either one hundred or two hundred. What was the say... time period of the quota? <laughs> time period? Like what? like like X hundred guests per what or just total? Total. In, I'm gonna in say in, yeah. two. I would say five. I would say five, but Is I think you're five? the expert, so you should you should go with your gut. I'll say 200. Is that your final answer? Oh, man. <laughs> that is incorrect. No. Oh. Danielle Marcus? Okay, I was going to think 200. So, is it only 100? Or it could It could be 100. I don't believe it was that high. Yeah, like, I don't think it was It didn't that strike high. me as, like, the 8 million kind of number. So, I'm, yeah. I'm in agreement with 100? 100. Yeah. Yeah. Final answer? That is incorrect. Is it? Oh, it's one thousand. Wow! Because and this is what happens. So Tamaki initially sets Haruhi's quota for a hundred, but as a result of the table flipping over, he increases it to one thousand. Uh, Wait, so the tea set was more expensive than the vase? I don't think they were doing it based on price at that point. They were like, <laughs> "We need to punish you, Haruhi. Your quota is now one thousand. I don't think there's oh. any internal consistency in this. Show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so question three for Danielle Marcus. In episode six, the grade school host is the naughty type. Which of the following does Kyoya not say as to the types of each other host club member? Oh, okay. A, oh, okay. Haruhi as the natural. B, Mitsukuni Hani Nozuka, aka Hani, as the boy Lolita type. C, Kyoya as the smart type. D, Dom- Tamaki as the princely type. Who did you say was saying this? Uh, Kyoyo was saying this. I don't think Kyoya describes himself. Yeah, I, 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 I know. I, I'm pretty I, sure I, the I'm, boy lo- I'm pretty boy sure Lolita all three of the other ones have been said. Like, yeah. There's so, a slight chance Tamaki is not princely, but yeah, that's what I, I know for like a fact that Haruhi is the natural, and that Honey is the boy Lolita. So let's go with Kyoya then. Yeah. Kyoya, final answer. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, Kyoya actually describes himself as the cool type. Yeah, yeah no. I was going to say, it's not the fact that he would describe himself, it's the fact that smart was not an adjective. And also, of course, the Hitachi twins are labeled as the little devil type. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Well, we have four to zero right now. I swear, we um, just keep getting the hard ones. <laughs> Alex and Iris for question four. In episode eight, the sun, the sea, and the host club... Which of the following is not a way the host club attempts to scare Haruhi? I literally mentioned this. <laughs> leading Haruhi into a cave with a spooky skeleton. B. Having Haruhi stand at the precipice of a shoreside cliff. C. Trapped in the dark of a large truck. Or D. Pointing a sharp spear at her. Hmm. I feel I like 
I feel like the cliff precipice happened, but that wasn't part of the scares, right? That was the whole, you know, she's being the hero, stepping in. Yeah, and I think the spear is um, what either Mori or Honey does to Haruhi. Yeah, I remember the truck for sure, and I remember the cave for sure. Okay, yeah, let's do the precipice. Yeah, we're going to say precipice final answer. That is correct. Yes. Um, they also attempt to scare her with a bucket of rat snakes, which they learn are poisonous hobo snakes. Also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, those aren't real. Those aren't regular snakes. All right. Question five for Danielle and Marcus. Okay, we're getting into some hard ones. What is or what was Haruhi's mother's occupation? A. Was she an attorney? B. A surgeon. C, a politician, D, a teacher, or E, a historian? Part of me wants to say an attorney. I feel like, I remember somewhere they said somebody's parent was a lawyer. I could be wrong, though. Well, I know Haruhi wants to be a lawyer. That is her, like... Maybe that's... That's what she wants to do. Michael, could you read through those options again? Attorney, surgeon... Politician, teacher, historian. She could also be a politician. No. Or it could even be like historian because they didn't have that much money. <sighs> yeah, this is a stumper to me. I mean, I want to say attorney if if Haruhi wants to be an attorney because. Because also there's that Alice in Wonderland episode where she was like secretly trying to be her mother or subconsciously trying to be her mother. But that's what I thought. I thought the mother was. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Oh, what? the question is on the mother, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. What oh. is Haruhi's mother's occupation? Oh, okay, okay. Or was? Yeah, we can go with attorney then. Cool. Because I have no idea otherwise. Attorney. Attorney. Final, final answer. answer. That is correct. Hey, and let's and go. as you say, we can uh, we technically infer, and also Tomaki says late in the last episode, or the second to last, that Haruhi was trying to become an attorney to follow in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, Alex and Iris, question six. All right, this one's this one's a bit of a doozy. Wow. In what order? In what order did Tomaki invite the other members of the house club? Um, and so there are six options oh, because okay. the three that you can choose are Honey and Morty. The Hitachi twins and Kyoya. So, of those three, what is the order in which Tamaki invited them to be in the host club? I've got this. I've got, got this. It. Okay, I'm trusting you. Okay, first up is Kyoya. Next is Honey and Mori. And the last are the Hitachi twins. Final answer. Final answer. That is correct. Yep. Yeah. Yes. See? And uh, the first time that we can deduce this is in episode 20. Um, when uh, Tamaki first invites the Hitachi twins mm-hmm. and says who's he invited. Okay. Here's the last two questions. Um, the rules for this are a bit different. Basically, the answer to these questions is a number. And I will give the question to the team. If they get it exactly right, they actually earn three points. Otherwise, it passes to the other team, and I tell them if the other team's guess was either higher or lower. If the other team guesses it exactly right, then they earn two points. Otherwise, the team that gets the closest earns one point overall. Okay. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, Danielle and Marcus, here's question seven. Over the course of the entire anime, 
How many times does the high-powered or powerful motor no no for a a point of clarification i'm only counting instances where the text and of where it says powerful motor and the motor powering up actually appears no i'll give you like one i'll give you like 30 seconds this is evil okay (laughs) remember remember to get a point you just have to be the closest but if you you want to be exactly right you get more because it does okay it doesn't appear in every episode however in some episodes it appears more than once that's true. Especially because there's some that she goes up and then again, then she goes down. Because it happened yep. for sure in Alice in Wonderland. Um, My best guess would be that it kind of averages out to about one time per episode. That's what I would think, too. So with so 26 episodes, 26. we could probably guess in the 30-ish range. Do we think um, it happens? Oh, okay. So we want to say like 28 or 30? Yeah, <laughs> that's fine with we'll, me. We'll go with 28, because slightly luckier than 30. 28, final answer. Alright, 28 is incorrect, and for the other team, 28 is too high. Yeah, yeah. you guys are way too say, high. I was going to say like 20. Oh, no, no, I'm going to say like 10. Okay, if we wanted to be really mean, we could just say 29. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 it's lower. It's lower than 28. They were it, too high. It's Oh, they said 28, I thought they said 30. Yeah. If we wanted to be no, mean, we could say I, 27. I'm going to say 10. I think it's more than 10. I, I think 16. Let's go 16. Let's do 12. No, let's do 16. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> 13, 13, 13. Thir- fine. <laughs> this is like some sort of like bartering. Okay. We'll say 13. 13. 13, your final answer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That is incorrect, but you are the closest. So what? I'll give you one point. The answer, Alex, you're going to be very mad, is, is exactly be- 10. Damn it! <laughs> I knew. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna quickly go over. Oh, sometimes I watched, it doesn't show Iris, the fool. motor. It doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't show. Yeah. So in episode <sighs> five, five, when the twins start fighting, in episode six to determine Shiro's type is naughty. In episode seven, where Renge explains Honey's hidden motives. In episode nine, to explain the history of the Zuka Club. In episode eleven, to help Nekazawa change his character. In episode eleven, Usachan uses it to enter the hole in Wonderland. Episode 13, Renge, who is the Duchess at this point, gives her baby back to Haruhi. That's all. In episode 17, where Renge arrives at the expo and introduces the Oron Host Club Rangers. Episode 18, where Renge appears and begins to commentate Honey's and Chika's first fight. And episode 23, after Kasunoda requests Haruhi to be his host. But did you did you count the number of times like it actually rose without the motor? But that wasn't the I, question. I said like, for a point of specification, you have to have the text on screen and the motor actually appear. I know. Okay, so it's six to five, so it, it could be any oh, game. Oh, fuck. Wait, who's winning? Uh, Danielle and Marcus are Damn coming. Um, all right, so here's the last question to Alex and I. This one's a doozy also. Over the course of the entire anime, how many times does someone slip on a banana peel? <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm so mad. And as a, as, a, as a point of clarification, multiple instances can occur simultaneously, but each are counted separately. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say... Uh, Alex, this is entirely in your hands. I have no idea. Okay, I'm like mentally recapping the amount of time someone slips on that uh, banana. I'm going to say 15. Is that your final answer? Final answer. That is incorrect. And is for the low? other team, they were too low. Right, because there's that one episode, the um, Alice in Wonderland episode, they slipped so many times, and then also on the stage with the Ger- Lobelia Academy, there's a time where they literally like all slip on bananas. 
So I know it's higher than whatever Alex said, 15. 15. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. One, two. All we have to do is get closer than 15. I mean, so. you've already won at this point, but. I know. I mean, we could say 16. No, no. I, I kind of don't want to be We're going to tie it up. I don't want to be mean like that, though. Don't do us dirty like that, because we didn't do you dirty. Yeah. True, true, true. Something close. Because it doesn't happen too many times. State your answer, coward. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say closer to... You said 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say closer to 20. I think 20 is safe. I'm okay with 20 as the final answer. Yeah, because it doesn't happen in too many episodes, but there are... Times when more than one Watch. people. It's on gonna it. be seventeen. Watch. Or twenty final 20. answer. Twenty final answer. Twenty is incorrect, but it is closer. <laughs> the exact number is twenty-five. Oh. Okay. Ready? I I, I want to go through them. Ready? Tom McKee at the end of episode two when he slips and pushes Haruhi to kiss Princess Kanako. <laughs> episode seven. Tom McKee slips and slides into the totem that activates the current pool. Also, episode seven. Mori slips on one. Episode nine. Haruhi slips into the arms of the Zuka Club. And episode 9, Tomogi slips after going on a tirade against the Zuka Club. Episode 9, all three Zuka Club members slip at the end of the episode, and Tomogi immediately slips afterwards. Episode 10, Tomogi slips on one after learning more about Haruhi's mother. Episode 13, Haruhi slips on one to, to descend further into Wonderland. Yeah, and I mean, then the, she slips on another hallway. one when she enters the Duchess's room. Episode 19... When Tamaki is running to the Zuka Club stage. Episode 20, Hikaru, Karu, and Haruhi's father all slip on one when rushing onto the stage. And episode 19, Haruhi, the three Zuka Club members, Haruhi's father, Kaoru, Hikaru, Honey, and Morty See? all slip on one simultaneously. That one was great. Oh boy. Well, there are your questions. Danielle and Marcus run seven to five. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've been on the, the trend. Winning, I'm pretty sure I've been on the winning team like three times. So that's <laughs> yeah. you want me on your team, guys. That's the and you that's don't the want me on start. your team. <laughs> Big set. <laughs> the horse curse of this show. <laughs> all right, thank you for coming to Trivia Corner. All right. <laughs> well, that'll do for us, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. At the end of every episode, I like to suggest a little YouTube video that you can watch that's animated. And this week's is simply called Love is in Small Things. So uh, check that out after the program if you like. But uh, that'll do it for us. So uh, thanks for joining us. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.